Welcome to Weird Sisters. I'm Al. And I'm Becca. This is a true crime podcast by two sisters. And while it is true crime, there will be humour and chat throughout it, and we will express our opinions. We'll do our best to be sensitive, given the material, and never intentionally be disrespectful or incorrect about facts. Hopefully you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to a special Becca episode. She's just like really weird because I'm just like sat here like completely out of my comfort zone yeah. because I like to be in control anyway. So I'm just like <laughs> completely just like oh god deer in the headlights. Yeah. Can't cope just like give me the notes. <laughs> if you hear any struggling in the middle of the episode and me ripping the notebook from Becca's hands. Just like... This is where it's good that we don't sound identical anymore. Yeah. No one would know if you just took over and like got rid of me <laughs> otherwise like if we'd done this three four years ago exactly the listeners will know <laughs> oh, i'm glad everyone they survived the storm yeah so, um it's now chucking it down with rain again so yeah. and world war three could be starting yeah you know. ignore us saying that things were getting better last i think podcast. just ignore us like completely well don't, don't keep, no. keep on listening to the podcast keep- yeah, keep listening, but don't apply anything we say to your lives. So Yeah, just, you know, it's fine. Things can only get better. Just like, no. Nope. Maybe, oh, you're like granny. Yeah. Where every time she'd say something, it would happen. But it was always bad things. No, it's a good job your tumble dryer hasn't blown up. Yeah. Next day, what happens? It erupts into flames. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're on holiday. Be careful your pipes don't freeze. Uncle comes back to frozen pipes that have, ex- have burst. Ex- yeah, and, yeah, burst pipes from it. <laughs> Just like, yeah. there's got to be some like, There's you know, some bad witch premonition. blood or something yeah. in us. It makes sense with being the Weird Sisters podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I may this... do a section like, you know, like some podcasts have palate cleansers. I will do premonitions for the future. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. But I suppose this week's episode. Yeah. Oh. This week's episode by Becca is the case of Alison Perrot, which is not parrot. Is not parrot, I discovered when I was watching a documentary. I feel really awful that I was saying parrot for years. Yeah, I did <laughs> know this case and I've seen the name written down and mm-hmm. I always thought it's parrot, which is a cool surname. Maybe. Yeah. Parrot. Parrot. So. Kind of like people that are like Dr. Death, but they're not Dr. Death, they're Dr. DR. Yeah. <laughs> Parrot. Yeah, so Alison Parrot. So Alison Parrot was born on the 28th of September 1974 to her parents, Peter and Leslie Parrot. Oh. And Alison was described as an overwhelmingly happy child who made friends easily. Her mother, Leslie, remembers her as being a girl whose strong personality shone through from as soon as she was born. God, do you think she's like my middle child then? Ooh. Just like, it's strong personality yeah. would fit her. Yeah, lots of other descriptions as well. <laughs> <laughs> Makes friends easy, tick. And yeah, mm-hmm. strong Strong yes. personality. Her mother remembers looking at her after she'd given birth and just thinking the words, like, you're your own person came to her like straight away that that is one powerful baby Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um she also became a big sister when she was about three and she was the typical bossy older sibling as well so which is not how your oldest with Mm. the eldest gets completely bossed around by my middle kid but then when she's not with your middle one she talks shit about her (laughs) i'm sure she does but she's not bossy is she (laughs) no but she loves to gossip and to moan about her sister. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a pushover. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, so Alison was always laughing and this was her default through her short life. Uh, and she approached everything mm. with just a bubbly enthusiasm and just happiness and laughter. In July 1986, and I apologise, I might end up crying at points through this case because even writing it up, I ended up crying a few times. I so just, just ignore me if you hear muffled or sob sobbing. along with us because like kids don't well, like yeah, deal with. Exactly. But in July 1986, Alison was 11 and living in Summerhill, which is an area of Midtown Toronto in Canada. Oh, I love Canada. Mm. So it's, as far as I'm aware, Toronto borders like the US it's one of the ones that's sort of lower down okay. in Canada um, so I assume not as cold as other parts of Canada but I might be totally wrong <laughs> so. I don't know I mean like Alaska is part of America and that's fucking freezing true but that's like all the way up. I know so it's beyond that's Canada past Canada so. <laughs> that but, is true yeah but um, yeah it's uh, a coastal state so See, that would make it colder like, even when we go to the beach here, you notice that it's colder. And we're only, like, what, 50 miles from the beach? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. I always forget how close we are to the sea. Because we didn't really ever go that much as kids because mum's terrified of water. So. No, like, it was a once a year trip. Yeah, that mum had to do through gritted teeth. <laughs> Imagine that, like, in Canada. They must, like, have snow on the beaches. I don't times. know. Yeah. We must do it points here as we well. We must, to be fair. or used to. I mean, we haven't had any snow this year, which has been a shit. So <laughs> this winter, cause yeah, like, this whole winter, yeah, yeah. We've had like flakes, like maybe for a morning that didn't settle or anything. The world's got dandruff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's what you think of when people just the like oh, it's just a few flakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> So, Alison attended elementary school in Toronto. Which is like primary so, school. I think or that's nursery. our middle school. Oh, okay. I think it's elementary. Yeah, I think elementary is our middle school. You have junior, elementary, and high, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think so. And kindergarten, which yeah, is kindergarten. nursery. Nursery, yeah. Cool. But we don't really have middle schools anyway anymore. Which we I think it's a shame. We did have. here. Like, mm. only part of the country, really, that still had them. But yeah. they're getting rid of them this year now. Yeah, which I think 11-year-olds and 18-year-olds all mixed together is just stupid. Like There's too big a difference. so much older than an 11-year-old. Mm -hmm. like, I think our middle schools, they used to used to move up. So it was like 13 to 18 at high school, which makes yeah. so much more sense. A lot more sense. Yeah. I mean, with the schools that have six forms, obviously our schools finish at 16, so... But I then guess you tend to stay, like, a lot of high schools form. now have a sixth form attached. Yeah. And it's just, like, my eldest is 11 and going to high school mm. this September, and she's so innocent and so... She's still, still a such kid. much, like, yeah, yeah she's still a little, little kid, yeah. and I can't imagine her being around, like, what some... Like, overhearing even, like, some 16-year-olds, what they'll be coming out mm -hmm. with. With some of the stuff when I worked in a state school, some of the stuff I heard, like, the year sevens talking about was really worrying that'll be your niece in september yeah it that's the thing they pick up things that they don't understand but it really informs how they develop and yeah. grow and how they think but in a way that's not, not it's not appropriate for them mm -mm. and that like warps how they see things i'm judging it. i mean she still doesn't even like hearing swearing yeah or tell on other kids at primary school that have sworn and it's just like you're gonna get such a shock yeah. in september oh, bless her yeah 
that's the thing like i heard like year seven boys talking about like stds and stuff but like in a really misogynistic way that like really worried me. Ugh. Yeah, there was lots of safeguarding and things that had to happen in that school. It was yeah. partly why I moved to a nice private school. <laughs> um, Posh. <laughs> yeah. So she was in elementary school. Yeah, she was in elementary school in Toronto, okay. which she had to take the subway to by herself every day. Um, the subway was only like four minutes from the Perot house. And Ale- but because of this, she was really capable. She was independent. I think most people like get themselves to school like mm. at that age, don't they? Like, yeah. I know over here you either especially walk yeah. if you're close enough, or you get the school mm. bus. And especially if you think like it's the eighties. Yeah. When I think Mum tell told me a story about how when she was five, she walked to school See, by I can't herself. Imagine that. But no. obviously... like she was with a group of kids. But yeah, at five, you'd be like out the door. Bye. No. See you later. <laughs> but obviously, like for high school or like when you're eleven and older, like, yeah. getting the bus is just so normal. I think that's like. Yeah, it's a really good way to develop. Growing up. Yeah. yeah, if they're not far away, yeah, yeah, I'd be a bit is... worried if it was. Oh, you've got to go for like an hour, but yeah, and obviously there's no changes, so it's so similar to getting on a mm. school bus. If she's four minutes away, and it must be yeah. like a stop or two. Like that's less time yeah. on the subway. You think kids who live in London probably get the tube by themselves yeah. to school and stuff? And you think that that's less time mm. that she spent on the subway than. My eldest will spend on, on the, the school bus. Yeah, exactly. Like, so. But yeah, so this confidence was apparent in Alison's life. She was really physically active and she was a keen runner. So, wow. Yeah. That's that's not a, a sport, a hobby that you expect from a child. Like an 11-year-old kid, yeah. Like, she, uh, yeah, Alison's... Football a... or hockey or... Mm. dance but, but running, running yeah who, who actually enjoys running I... apart from obviously Anson. yeah that's why i'm kind of glad that with my um hamstring injury that i got from martial arts my physio told me that if running aggravates it then i shouldn't run and i was like yes excuse. best news ever <laughs> I, I have a like doctor's note to say i can't run so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but yeah Alison's mother says that her determination and drive that she had like as a personality trait meant that she was developing into a really exceptional athlete like she poured energy into that Um, and she was really involved in her school's track team so oh wow yeah so she ran a lot and like really really worked at it to get good like that yeah that's like determination that's I think special for a child to have. Like not having to still work at something and not just give Mm. up when things get tough or when you're Mm. not feeling it. Yeah, especially in Canada when it's cold and raining or snowing, you're still going to go out and run. That's amazing. That is really, that is special. Mm. Um, Alison competed in track and she had qualified to take part in an international track and field meet that was going to be in New Jersey, and she was part of the Ontario team, so, so like the of, whole state team. So sort of like that level that you see with kids when they're going to end up at the Olympics yeah, or exactly, something. Yeah, exactly, like yeah. Such a, mm-hmm. such a drive and a... Yeah. That's what yeah. they're... It's not just a hobby Born they, to do, almost. Yeah. They don't just turn up, like, once or twice a week to their... It's their like, life. Yeah, it's more than just that hobby. Wow. Um, she was going to compete in the 1500-metre race... That's 1.5k. 
Is it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. See, I'm so bad at maths and, like, converting those sorts of things. Yeah, so one and yeah, a half kilometres. Yeah, a thousand metres in a kilometre. Yeah. That's quite a long race to be, like, sprinting. Yeah, because oh. I always think, I hear it, it's like, you've got the 500 metres, you've got the thousand, mm. and I'm just like, oh, it's just a little sprinting distance. Yeah, I was until thinking I work 1500. Until I am just like... Yeah, 1,500 metres to me. I was like, that's not too far, but, okay, one and a half K is... Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and Alison's achievement, which this is the unfortunate thing, had been covered by local newspapers alongside pictures of Alison in sports clothes that had her school's name on it. Oh, see, so cover up the school's yeah. names and stuff so there's not anything. That's the thing. Like, nowadays, We're we so know. aware of that, I suppose. Yeah, we don't take pictures of kids in, like, identifiable clothing. At school, we always tell the students when we're doing like safety talks about like online safety don't put pictures of yourself in your school uniform yeah um don't do snapchat where it's got your location on Mm -hmm. exactly but yeah unfortunately the newspapers had pictures of her easy for someone to then make it sound like they're more familiar with them than yeah they actually start piecing bits of information about their life together so yeah. And I'm guessing that that doesn't end well. No. Um, the meet was scheduled for the 1st of August. I which obviously thought you meant like a barbecue or something. <laughs> Jesus. No, the track meet yeah. was scheduled for the 1st of August, which Alison was obviously so excited for. I but can imagine. Sadly, she disappeared on the 25th of July. So, so when was one scheduled? week before oh, no. she was going to compete. Oh my god, I'm getting emotional already. <laughs> this is why you do the case. I know, I'm literally just like, give me the notebook, yeah. I'll, I'll soldier through it. Um, on the 24th of July as well, the night before her abduction, Alison's neighbour lost their dog. <gasps> no! Yeah, and Alison's like, strong nature was obvious because... She, she went out to find she her. She made and distributed lost dog flyers to find them, obviously totally oh unaware that within a day the roles would be reversed and she would be on missing no. posters. So, yeah. Why couldn't she have just, like, found the dog and they'd have been happy together? I know. Yeah. So I don't know if they did find the dog. I didn't see that. Um, but no, I think this kind of then suddenly yeah. took, took a exactly. bit of precedence. Yeah. So on the morning of July 25th, Alison was at home by herself when she received a phone call from a photographer and they wanted to take pictures publicising Alison. get her phone number? We'll get to that in a bit, um, yeah. Okay, I'm skipping yeah. ahead like you do. <laughs> but yeah, that comes up okay. with that, yeah. Wait. Which is also, again, a really, really disturbing bit when we get to okay. that. Um, yeah, they wanted to take pictures publicising Alison ahead of the track meet in New okay. Jersey for a sporting magazine. Okay. So, despite her confident character, Alison's mum said that she always followed the rules and, like, maintained contact with her parents. She was really mature in that way. I wish my yeah. was like that. <laughs> um, Alison would always be, like, popping into her mum's office Aww. or, like, phoning her up. And today was no different. Alison rang her mother at her workplace yeah. and asked for permission to meet the photographer. No, her mum didn't give her permission, did she? Yeah. So... Why would you do that? She's 11. Yeah. So he had... Like, not blaming the mum at all, because no. obviously, like, you know, she thought it You'd was never fine and you wouldn't that. expect mm. that. But, oh my God, I can't imagine yeah. giving my 11-year-old... Again, you think now we wouldn't let but an 11-year-old go we're to We're so aware alone. of it. Like, you don't go out and meet people alone as an yeah, adult. Like, which without... Alison's mum said in the interviews I saw with her that just 
it was a different time. Like she really yeah. wanted to encourage and foster that confidence and independence. To be fair, I remember mm. mum letting me get a lift back from someone mm. I was doing dog sitting for. Mum mm. hadn't met this person. Really? I'd met them down in our local village mm. to talk about um, how to dog sit mm. and look after their dogs while they were. I was about 13. And um, she offered to give me a lift back the sort of two or three miles to our home. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mum was just like, yeah, that's fine. And I got this lift with this complete stranger. Wow. I'm like, surprised mum said that because she's so anxious normally. I know. But, I mean, to be fair. Like the whole time yeah. I was freaking out just like. Yeah. See, that's what I kind of, I don't know what came over me. Like normally I'm so anxious. I am such a sensible person. Apart from when you're in Manchester and then, checking on people down alleys. Because they were <laughs> injured and they needed an ambulance. You ring from the end of the yeah. alley. You don't but go that's down the it. thing. I remember once I was waiting for the bus because where we grew up, we were on the side of like a main road. Yeah. So you had to wait for a bus on the side of the road to take me to the train station um, yeah. in Dis, our closest town, so that I could go to <laughs> visit my ex who lived in Manchester so it was like a long journey I had like a big suitcase and stuff yeah and it was raining and I remember this woman like stopped and she's just like oh you're like the same age as my daughter bless you and you're like in the rain like do you want to lift to the station and I said yes and I took it Becca I know looking back like after I was in the car I was like wait a minute what the fuck yeah I don't know why I said yes. It was one of those things where I was like, I think so socially awkward. You accidentally hitchhiked. Yeah, I accidentally hitchhiked (laughs) with a total stranger. Like, and I think it was one of those points where I'm such a socially awkward person that I kind of felt like I shouldn't, it'd be rude to say no. Like, oh, it's just a woman on her own. Like, I do martial arts. But obviously that is such a stupid thing to think. God, yeah. Like... So, especially when you think of, like, Myra Hindley and Brady, where Myra would sometimes pick kids up alone so they would go with her because she was a single woman. Yeah. Like, I look back on it and I'm like, okay, I was dumb when I was was younger. So many duos use the woman Mm -hmm. to make the people that they abduct feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think it's because I was sort of 18 or so. So in my head I was like, oh, I'm not, like, a kid, but, oh, my God. There was that one, I forget the name of, I'll like, look it up and give it to you mm. next episode. But um, he used to like leave his like s- toddler son's toys mm. and car seat and that in the car so oh, that the girls would feel yes. like, comfortable I with I can't him. think who it was either, but yeah, I well, remember that now. look it up now. and like, get back to you on that yeah. one. But um, focus on this one now. Yes. Um, yeah, so she rang her mother to Got ask permission. for permission to go and meet the photographer. Um, and he had asked Alison to meet him at the University of Toronto's Varsity Stadium. So that sounds like it's a quite public yeah, place. Exactly. Lots of people are, uh, that would make me feel you safer. You think, oh, they've got, you know, permission to be in the stadium. They've obviously got credentials. Surely there's, like, university <clears throat> kids yeah. about. There's te- that, that would make me feel a lot better. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're meeting them in legit. an official place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the stadium was a 20-minute subway ride from the Perot home. Okay, so not so too far. No, not where you'd think, oh, they're going somewhere they've never Especially been. Especially if she, like, pops, like, into her mum's office and stuff. She's obviously used to getting about by yeah, herself. Yeah, exactly. Like. Um, Leslie, um, Alison's mother, said that Alison had been to a camp at the stadium as well, so she Aww. knew how to get there and yeah. was sort of 
comfortable with the area. Yeah. It wasn't um, like, you know, going in somewhere you completely don't no. know and feeling so out of place. Exactly. And after agreeing for her to go, her mum talked the route through with her over the phone and everything. So, oh. so yeah. Yeah, it seemed fine. Like, like nothing be... should go wrong with no, that. There's going to be people around. It's an official... You're going on the subway, which is populated with lots of people around. Mm. You're going to a university campus, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So at 11.30, Alison got ready and left... 11.30 in the morning, this is. Alison got ready and left the family home to go to the photography session. Um, so... Leslie, Alison's mum, got home from work at 5.30 and found no Alison. So sort of like six hours later. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, that's going to be a worry. Well, yeah, because the photo shoot obviously isn't going yep. to take that long. This was really out of character for Leslie, uh, for Alison, sorry. And so, because of that, within half an hour, by six o'clock, her parents had called the police. That's so, good. Yeah, so you think that is really, like, really good. <laughs> yeah, you're not just, like, no. waiting or just, like, oh, I'm sure they, they, you know, maybe in half an hour, maybe by bedtime, you're like, no, this isn't what they're like especially as you said you said earlier didn't you she, she was such a stickler for the rules yeah exactly she followed the rules she was very mature and sort of let her parents know where she was all the time she yeah. sort of asked for permission to do things rung home or her mum or something if she was going to have been late for any reason i'm guessing yeah exactly um so the family and their friends and neighbors um in the documentary i watched um it was said they still felt really positive that evening. Mm. Pam, who was a close family friend, recalled that um, everyone just hoped that Alison had gone to a friend's house and forgotten to stay. Yeah, I but... suppose just like you, like you know when you got that sick feeling and you just, mm-hmm. but you're just trying to be so positive and hopeful. Yeah, you don't want to give in and think that. And I think Something's so many times happened. in people's lives, like you get that worry that something bad's happened, and it turns out not to be the case. You exactly got to be feeling the same, just like I, I'm just over, I'm just overthinking it. I'm I'm worrying, mm-hmm. and it will all be all right. Exactly, yeah. So, but as time went on, uh, this hope began to wane. Yeah. And obviously, Leslie, Alison's mother, said that by the next day, with no appearance, she could just like feel in her heart that Alison wasn't was gone. Yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, the police they came out straight away. They actually did their job. Yay. They Yeah, they interviewed Peter and Leslie that evening. Yeah. Um, separately, but oh, they were God, quick. That's got to be I so know. Hard. Like, if that happened, I'd just be looking to Josh for so much support. Like having to then mm. go through that even for a few minutes without them by your side like, yeah how do you to be like to be interviewed separately i get why being, they've done yeah. it like, of course that makes sense but then just thinking about it from the parents point of yeah view, just like, with being oh. viewed as you might be involved in this yeah no so uh, obviously quickly they were cleared as suspects that's good yeah so that is always positive when you think the parents have no um like no involvement they can't be sort of connected yeah. to it um but that obviously meant that they they hadn't got any substantial leads oh. after that um so 
the police were kind of stuck. They didn't have anywhere to really go with it. They didn't... Where, where do you start? Yeah. yeah. Um, Especially being 19 in the 1970... Well, 80s at that point. Exactly. Like, what do you... There's no C, like there's not the CCTV. Not that we've got, got now. now. No. Um, as well, Alison was like a really bright girl um, who wouldn't have been taken in easily. She was described as that. Um, yeah. She and her eight-year-old brother had actually attended a whole day stranger danger safety course the year before her abduction. Oh, wow. So I think she wasn't unaware of sort of dangers and no. things like that. So, yeah, she, really, she was equipped so to smart. Yeah, yeah. be as safe as anyone, really. Um, and, yeah, as I said before, Leslie said that she doesn't really feel like they did anything wrong letting her use the subway alone no. and everything, because they, and, like, society in general at that time, wanted to encourage independence. I think that's such like, a good thing as well, like, People struggle with that nowadays, but it's like mm. you have to give them those steps to grow up. You can't just dump it on them when they're like 16, 17, 18. No, that's the thing. You need to take those help. little steps and be able to grow up in that gradual way and slowly mm-hmm. get more responsibility. Yeah, like, do it as sort of, yeah, like in steps and stages, yeah. and that has to start somewhere. Exactly. Like, I think that worries me when I think about wanting children at some point is sort of how do you decide when to let them start doing things? Yeah. How do you decide when to let them go out by themselves? I think that's what we're thinking because like, obviously, eldest is starting high school, and you're like, she'll be getting on a bus by herself, she'll have a mobile phone. Mm-hmm. And then once she's comfortable with that, like, you know, six months a year down the line it's like yeah okay you can stay with your friends at your high school and get a later bus back and like you're slowly building yeah, it aren't you that's the thing yeah but still i'll be there at the door just like why isn't she home it's a minute late that's <laughs> like, like yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> how dare you not let me know you were 30 seconds late to be like mrs weasley like, no note car gone yeah <laughs> um yeah but just so that's the thing, I think you can... That's the worry, the scary thing, I think, about being interested in true yeah. crime, almost. It makes you realise that you can do everything, everything right, right, and it's, it's still yeah. not going to mean everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Alison, it turns out, and her mother had actually been under the impression that the photography session was for the whole sports team oh, as no. well. So that's another factor in why she agreed for her to go. Yeah, I mean, if you think it's yeah. not just yeah. Alison going, you'd be so much more mm-hmm. comfortable. And they only realised it wasn't when they rang teammates and the coach and found that they didn't know anything about the shoot. You just think that sick feeling you'd get when you realised that... They'd been they'd... lured away. Yeah. And you can't, you can't at that point... It would seem like such a massive overreaction to be, like, ringing teammates and mm. checking and being like, I don't know, like, maybe you should do. But yeah. to me, it's that you'd feel torn, wouldn't you? Like, do I do that? Mm-hmm. Which seems so paranoid. That's the thing. Like, how do you or... how do you weigh up sort of what's being over the top? And yeah. What, yeah. Uh, and again, in the 80s, I guess, where you kind of did only have landline phones yeah. and things. You can't just 
like nowadays I guess you'd easily be able to like text one of like your daughter's teachers or something I don't I, how though I w- wouldn't have their personal oh, details would I oh see my friend I could Rachel ring the school oh my or, friend Rachel but... with her son um yeah. obviously it's not their personal number but she can text her um her son's teacher to like let them know stuff maybe it's because she's like in a much bigger like yeah. town bordering that's on being city size mm. whereas obviously our kids are just at the local village schools yeah that's true like yeah mm. but yeah so i just i can't imagine how you'd feel realizing that yeah they've explicitly lied about what they've known wouldn't you yeah um in the day after allison's disappearance friends of the parrots planned a search and distributed flyers with allison's description so um the description was that she left the house wearing like a green um polo shirt yeah um I think it was blue sports shorts. Yeah. Um, and she had a little, like, blue and white um, purse with her as well. So, again, like, kid Just sort dressed of outfit. so much yeah. like a child. Yeah, they're just, they're just a little kid still. Yeah. So, yeah, loads and loads of people turned up to help, though. Friends, neighbours, colleagues, strangers... And Leslie can recall seeing like lines of people in the street waiting for instructions to I'm, help with the search. You um, don't know, do you? That mm. I don't know if it's mentioned anywhere, but you know how when something like that <clears throat> happens and they mm. have big public searches, so often the perpetrator will take part in it. Yeah, that you. I don't know that we know if they took part in it, but yeah, there's always that horrible chance, mm-hmm. isn't there? I think just for the family, though, like, that outpouring of support from, like, the whole of Toronto must have been... So it's not going to help, but, yeah. Overwhelming, but also, I imagine you would feel like at least Everyone, everything is being done yeah. to help. Like, not yeah. like some cases you hear about where the police kind of say, oh, you can't report them missing for 48 yeah. hours. Or, you know, they didn't just run away. Yeah, they're just a teen runaway kind yeah. of... Yeah, yeah. Um, and the day after Alison's disappearance, her parents also made a public appeal via the media, um, pleading for Alison's safe return. And just in that video, like, you can just see, like, the fear and anxiety. Like, yeah. they look, like... Broken. Yeah. Yeah. Like, their it eyes are be. just, like, dull. And, like, the pain in, like, her mum's voice. It's horrible. Oh. Ugh. No. Yeah. So, two days after Alison's disappearance, the police came to the Perot residence and informed them that the body of their daughter had been found. I mean, that's awful. Yeah. At least, like, like, small, small blessings, but at least it wasn't dragged on. Yeah, you know that... Obviously, I... I don't know if it would help at all when you're in that situation. I've never been in it. Hope to never. Yeah, I guess you... You maybe at least know that the what ifs are gone. Like you know they're yeah. not in pain anymore. Yeah. But because I think the what ifs and what's happening to them right now would drive me mad. Yeah. Like, if you don't know where they are, I can't imagine how you deal with any of those situations. Yeah. But at at least you know as awful as that is. Mm. Like, I I yeah yeah. In some senses, I think sometimes the impression I get from the cases where there's never closure are actually so like much 
obviously they're all so painful like unimaginably painful but like it that doesn't pain give you is, that closure yeah it just, that pain's kept raw all the time i think yeah that's a good way of describing it, isn't it it's just the rawness of it mm. yeah so allison's naked body oh, was no. found face down on the side of the humber river by two boys who were going on a walk um, in a park called Kings Mill Park. So is, was that close to the university campus? Um, or? I don't actually know how close it was. Um, I will just have a quick look. <laughs> so um, I can't imagine like how those boys must have felt finding it. And... Exactly, yeah. There's no mention of... Um, what because I'm guessing how like, that was you say with. boys they were children themselves. yeah they were children yeah it was about 14 kilometers so away quite away a fair way away yeah she was definitely like transported yeah. um and that's the thing the investigation um kind of they never really know what properly happened but okay. it was sort of presumed that she was got into a vehicle somehow possibly okay. a van yeah to like conceal her. her yeah okay um which is also why they think that whoever murdered her uh like was local they knew the area because they knew somewhere that they were comfortable to take, take her. her and yeah it wasn't like a opportunity crime where it was just yeah, at the place they'd I, met her if i went to london i would not know any no spots that you could go to or just mm-hmm. like any quieter areas or anything like exactly that. yeah um and also her body hadn't been covered up um, um which do they think that they wanted them to yeah they then? think that the the killer maybe felt like remorseful over what they'd done and that they want yeah they wanted her to be found and get a burial that's what uh, they didn't want it that's sort of the profile they came came up with yeah they didn't want it to be an unknown forever yeah exactly yeah Um, because it's unusual that you take her somewhere like that isn't it where she can be found and left in the open if you're trying to that's the thing um john douglas uh the as an FBI profiler, um, yeah. he was brought in on the case, and he, uh, yeah, sort of the profile he came up with was that the man, the, the killer, probably. I'm guessing he probably profiled yeah, them as prob- a man. Yeah, profiled them as a man anyway. Yeah, but sort of that the killer probably, like, developed an obsession with her from seeing like the news reports and things, and like almost kind of wanted. A relationship with her like he didn't mean to kill her oh. but the, obviously when an 11 year old is in that situation they're not going to want a relationship with a random no. stranger exactly and that her then responding negatively and getting upset probably made him panic and killed her like but okay. they didn't intend to kill her in their head okay so they think it was more sort of like as you said, the panic and the, oh, yeah. God, what do I do now? I and realising, yeah. As opposed to her <clears throat> not responding yeah. well to his advances and him doing it out of anger. Exactly, yeah. That, so okay. that they were an older child, so they'd be able to tell people. So yeah. they kind of, Shit, they think that I they just now? got to the point where they felt, I have to kill them to, yeah, get away. But I just, yeah, <sighs> Um, yeah, her body hadn't been covered up, so they think they wanted it to be yeah. found. It was sort of fairly close to the path. Okay. 
but um, there was already like insect activity on the body and everything from blood because she'd been sexually assaulted. Mm. So again, yeah, it leads into that. Oh, yeah, God, people are gonna know exactly. Just like, How could you ever do that to a child, like an eleven-year-old? Yeah. Um, and her cause of death was determined to be strangulation as well. <sighs> so, so. Sort of the, yeah. Which again is why um, John Douglas profiled as possibly he wasn't like intending to kill her because he didn't take anything yeah, to kill her with. Exactly, and he kind of the death of strangulation. They kind of profiled it as being like a gentler in inverted commas like way of killing someone it's sometimes that, parents do that don't they? yeah like, that they kind of yeah did it out of panic but wanted to make it as painless as they could mm. it's sort of what they terrifying. came up with yeah exactly so yeah but apparently yeah the way that her body was kind of dealt with and things was it wasn't she hadn't been like attacked or anything no so they think, yeah, they weren't they hadn't again, set wanting out to, to kill, kill her. Yeah. I mean, as far as you can She's say that, dead, yeah, but... someone who's that shitty of a person. Yeah. That, yeah. But, yeah. Luckily, though, with this, the hunt for her killer kicked into, like, high gear straight away, which yeah. is really good. And it, I know it's awful as it sounds, but insect activity helps with that sometimes does it really too. yeah like and don't know whether it did back then but obviously you've got certain insects and that are only found in certain areas and certain climates you've got mm. as awful as it is like different stages of the insect life cycle can tell you how long the body's yeah. been there oh, okay. and all that sort of stuff oh, so wow. it's been really useful in mm. some cases and obviously the more we're learning about it the more useful it's becoming as yeah well, but... definitely um, obviously it's the 80s yeah there's not as good a yeah sort of understanding of all of that yeah um, yeah police searched the site where Alison's body was found extensively for clues and the police force was like flooded with calls from people reporting sightings of Alison on her way to the oh, stadium wow. um, and they also set up two hotlines um, for people to ring to hopefully get some leads as yeah. well and they uh, also offered a $50,000 reward for information that led to the killer's arrest. Yeah. So it was, like, really high-profile, like, really well-handled case. case. Yeah. yeah. But despite all of this, no useful leads came in, leads came really? in and the case just stalled. Yeah. It went cold. Mm-hmm. No. It was a landmark case, though, and it received more public response than any investigation in Toronto predating it. Wow. So, very, like, yeah, landmark case, really, like, But such influential. a shame that they didn't get yeah. any leads. I know. Because um, there were a lot of witness accounts in the case um, citing Alison. Yeah. But all of them, like, leading up to... So they just sort of stopped, yeah. like, like, when she got to the station. Yeah, That's which makes you wonder how quickly did he get her into the van. Yeah. Um, or car or whatever. Um, there was a mother who had been out with her two daughters, like, one of whom was Alison's age. Yeah. Which is sort of why she noticed her being by herself. Yeah. Um, and she reported that she saw Alison on the subway. And crucially, she reported an error in the reported outfit that Alison was wearing. Oh. Um, which also, as it was proven to be an error, like, gave her report... Of so her, much like, credibility. credibility. Yeah. Like she had to have seen her. Yeah. Um, Do you know what the error was? <clears throat> it was that she was wearing, like, a different top. Okay. Um, I can't remember exactly what the top possibly was. But, yeah, it's but a it different was, Yeah. And you think, 
reporting that she's wearing a green polo shirt. But that's saying, like really stand out. So yeah. if it's not that. To say, no, yeah. actually, I saw her as she was wearing this. Mm. Um, and this allowed police to like determine the time Alison got on the subway. Yeah. So it was helping them create that timeline. Yeah. Um, but as you said earlier, the investigation was hampered by a lack of surveillance cameras. Yeah. Um, interestingly, though, police were able to determine that Alison met her killer on the northwest corner of the stadium. Okay. Because uh, this was across from a bank that had three cameras at the ATM. Wow. Two of them weren't working. <laughs> so often <laughs> yep. that's the case. Like, so often. Make sure your cameras work. Yep. Um, but the third camera caught Alison going by from the waist down. Okay. So uh, they determined it was her because they could use new technology to colourise the footage. And then um, Alison's mum confirmed that that was her. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they put so much effort into this case. Like, the yeah. police work really impressed me looking at this. But there were no witnesses who came forward with statements witnessing Alison with another person, though. That's she just thinks somebody so has to have seen something. Yeah. Um, shortly after her body was found, Alison's family held a funeral for her in a church that was two blocks from the University oh of Toronto Stadium. Oh, no. Yeah. It's very big I suppose as well, just going back to your mm. earlier point, like, there's so many reports of her up to that point mm. Because she's by herself. Yeah. Like, that could account, couldn't it, for mm, the you lack don't... of reports? Because yeah. now she's with an adult. Yeah, I wouldn't look twice at a kid if they're with someone who looks it's... like a parent. Exactly, yeah. someone that they know, a parent, an uncle, mm. like, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, um, John Douglas, again, going back to him, he sort of, again, one of his sort of predictions he made yeah. was that maybe they got Alison into the vehicle with, like, a credible story yeah. of saying sort of like oh the lighting's like not right we need to go somewhere else or yeah. something like that like um so they don't imagine that she was forced, forced either which, which would again, again would mean yeah. that you wouldn't you wouldn't, wouldn't notice, notice it as yeah. much um but the funeral was attended by a vast number of mourners yeah and there were like attendees even congregating outside the church wow. so it really really impacted on people yeah um, and the police stationed themselves around the church um, in case the killer was there. Oh, so they were, all, yeah. were aware of that. So, That's good. Like, mm. They seem really switched on. I know. A force, yeah. Like, so impressed with them. Really amazing, yeah. Um, so they were hoping they could identify maybe if the killer was there. Yeah. I don't know how you would like, pick just... them out if they were. No, Shifting behaviour. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Because if they've not got any idea who it could have been, I don't know how you'd think, oh, that person looks suspicious. But, yeah, it was definitely a case that, like, really did affect people. Yeah. Um, the funeral was touchingly attended by Janet Jessup, the mother of another girl who was murdered two years previously oh, in no. similar circumstances. Um, and she wanted to support her, um, Alison's parents. Did they think that it was the same sort of person or it was similar but from what i read it never got they never got connected together okay but i do want to cover the um jessup case at some yeah. point especially because um, two years isn't a crazy amount no. of cool down time for someone doing exactly a crime like that. especially if it's not that they're <clears throat> as you said if he's profiled as not wanting to be 
killing these girls, mm. like to have become obsessed with a previous girl and it go wrong as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, if it was similar circumstances, mm. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's interesting to, to wonder, and it could explain how he managed to carry out Alison's murder without being kind of detected. Yeah. You think if that's your sort of first. Yeah. murder you're going to make mistakes more easily so, yeah. which considering there's no leads in this case yeah he was obviously either very lucky or very yeah. aware of what he needed to do yeah um but by now weeks had passed uh both of alison's parents had gone back to work just oh, to distract themselves yeah um overall leslie said she tried not to think too much on what specifically had happened to Alison because your mind just spirals yeah and like the imagination was worse than just knowing the facts yeah um but in this way a year had gone by and there were still no leads so on the anniversary of Alison's death her family's friends planted a copper birch in her memory um at the holiday farmhouse so the Parozza and oh I'm going again (laughs) um I'm not laughing because I am being flippant. It's just to mean Such that we hear the case. Tough so, subject. <laughs> otherwise, there will just be the sound of sobbing for like the next fifteen minutes. So, um, Leslie remembers that she would cry often, yeah. um, but she tried to hide it from Alison's brother because she wanted oh, to be course, um, strong for him. Yeah, and she remembers that um, he came to her one day when she was crying. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> And told her that it was okay to cry. No. Um, yeah. She said that through everything. He, he was her younger brother, he, wasn't three he? Three years younger. Oh, God. And she said that through everything and all of the horrors and everything, he's what kept them going. You'd have to. Yeah, because like... he was a constant reminder. Oh, my God. I hope you can all <laughs> understand me. Don't like, making me <laughs> um, He was a constant reminder of the existence of love and oh, not just evil. <laughs> Oh my god! It's just broken. <laughs> oh, right. I'm sorry, everyone. I, I can't promise that's gonna be the last time I cry, but um, just yeah. to not as well. Just go into such despair. And yeah, still be able to see the good in exactly. the world. Exactly. Like, Jesus. Oh. Um, in the meantime, <laughs> the police were still following any uh, hint of a lead they could find. And as I said, they brought in John Douglas from the FBI's criminal profiling unit and the famous writer of Mindhunter. Very good book. Check it out. Oh, so do you think yeah. so? I really like I just, it. I feel like we need this distraction, so I'm going to yeah, go with let's it. Let's have a slight um, distraction from the misery. I will dry my eyes. <laughs> I couldn't get into it. Really? I know, no. I loved Mindhunter. I found it, it fascinating. Just, I don't know. I've tried to read it and I tried to watch the series mm. as well. And I can't. Oh, the series was rubbish. I can't get into mm. them. They just seem very sexually focused. <laughs> I guess it is a bit. But just like, <laughs> I, it was just weird. You've got like all this serial killer stuff and the profane that they're doing. Mm. And then it's just got tons of like focus on this. Like the sexual relationships that they were having and stuff. Oh, to be and... fair, the book doesn't. Okay. The series adds in like loads of random like relationship stuff and him having sex and struggling yeah, to have that's, sex. That's what I remember. Yeah, I'm just in like... the book, it's not like that at all. It's just about his professional life. Okay, so maybe stuff. I need to give the book yeah. another go. I may have been jaded by <laughs> yeah. the TV series. The book just being definitely like... starts with like a weird 
kind of yeah uh, thing where he's like in the hospital and imagining yeah. being sexually tortured yeah see so but they this, like change this, this is why i like thought it was the same as the series <laughs> yeah. and i was just like yeah no i put it down i didn't no. luckily we don't hear anything about john douglas's sex life in the book so. or this case yeah or this case okay um, yeah cool so <laughs> Um, yeah, John Douglas obviously consulted and created the profile we've discussed. Yeah. Um, and police also started exploring the neighbourhood around the stadium, as well as, like, the locations of school track meets, looking yeah. for other possibly connected victims or okay. places where a killer could have come across her. Yeah. And they found that at a track meet at York University, which is also in Toronto. Okay, cool. I was going to say. Yeah. Because obviously we've got York in the UK and that's... Yeah, nowhere near uh, no. like us. Or... Yeah, no, it's uh, still in Toronto. It's cool. um, Police heard from witnesses that they saw a white male dressed in a tracksuit okay. in the audience. And he approached and talked to Alison at one point. Oh. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how long before her disappearance that was but obviously it was a bit fairly strange yeah and very odd like, i'm all for like not jumping to <laughs> conclusions and stuff and like if nothing happened then you wouldn't think twice about it would mm, you no but yeah but uh yeah obviously it sort of, with then if that was the killer perhaps that's where the obsession exactly. began um and police also believe now we're getting back to you talking about how did he ring her at home mm. Police also believe that Alison was stalked and searched for in the lead up to July 25th because for several weeks leading up to the 25th, other people by the name of Perrot in the area had received unexpected phone calls from a man asking for Alison. Oh, so he's yeah, gone through he's just the going phone through the book. Phone, but yeah, they, it implied that the murderer was working his way through the phone book to find exactly where Alison was. This is why... I mean, I, we don't have a home phone anymore because mm. who uses a home phone yeah, anymore? No. It's for the internet and that's it. Exactly. But when I did have a home phone, mm. I would always have that option to tick so you didn't appear in any phone books yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah, I guess it, that's the thing again in the 80s. You needed the phone exactly. books because you couldn't get hold of people otherwise. But just to think that for weeks, weeks he was trying to find her is chilling. And he doesn't give up. No, yeah. And uh, I guess I, I could do that because I hate yeah. bringing people anyway. No, like. yeah. <laughs> he obviously didn't have social anxiety. No. <laughs> so, Be a rubbish killer if I so, had to do it. Yeah. Sorry, it, you've got to ring this person. Exactly. No. I think my initial reaction was to think, why wouldn't you report that? But I guess if you received a phone call for a wrong number, you, you wouldn't. It's easy to think, we've oh, they had, were obviously yeah, connected. But uh, back then, you wouldn't think that. With, I know Josh has had it like, you know, people wrong number, ring up your mobile phone, and they're just like, mm. it's such and such there that's completely unrelated. And you're just like, no, I think you got like, a digit wrong yeah. or something, and that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. the end of your day. Exactly. That's not the end of your so day. You go about your well, day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go to bed. <laughs> but interestingly, as well, obviously, that sort of doesn't prove but heavily implies that it's somebody who didn't already know her it is a stranger yeah so obviously a lot of abductions and murders are people that 
children know so many. this kind of means that it was a stranger and while i'm all for teaching kids stranger danger like mm-hmm. yes we should be aware of that we i am such an advocate for also teaching them like person that you know danger yeah exactly yeah like, don't pres- don't so believe many you have to trust someone just because you know them abductions with kids or stuff that happens with kids or when you're an adult like rapes and stuff they're so like the vast majority of people you know mm-hmm like, yeah. Um, always, what is it? Moody from Harry Potter. Constant oh, yeah. vigilance. Exactly. Yeah, he might have been a Death Eater when he said it, but he was right. <laughs> Constant vigilance, people. Yeah. Um, Steve Irwin, not the Australian um, conservationist. Damn it! Sadly, I was literally going to be like, "Blimey, mate! Crikey! Back at that! Seriously? I know. Rest in peace. Yeah, Love Steve Irwin." Oh beautiful man inside and out <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah. like as sweet as soul ever. yeah but yeah steve Irwin, the canadian the um canadian version <laughs> is a police officer who worked on allison's case from the very beginning he was a rookie when it uh first happened and he stuck with it right through to being like Bless a detective him. see he sounds yeah. just as sweet yeah he does do you think he wrestled moose ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, this moose is a right beauty yeah. <laughs> but in a canadian accent yeah, I, I can't, can't do, do that. Canadian. I mean, I can't do Australian no. either. But... Is it moose, plural, or mooses? Meese. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Moose is plural and singular. I did think so, a but then I was moose. just like, yeah. do I sound stupid? Like, <laughs> no. no. Asking that question, now yeah. I do. Yes. But um, no, he stuck with the case to the end. Bless him. So, bonus, it is, does have an end, everyone. Yes. Not for a while, looking at my pages, but it does have an end. Oh, um, I love that he, like... It was just like, no, I'm seeing yeah. this through. His father was actually killed in the line of duty Shit. and he felt personally connected to Alison's case. So he was determined to get justice for her family. Yeah. Um, sort of from a personal feeling. Um, it was uh, also a major case, the Scarborough Rapist case. Which again we might cover. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like one to cover. Yeah. Was cracked using new DNA testing that had become available. Um, sort of, it was the end of the eighties. Yeah. And though Allison's case had only had a really poor DNA sample recovered, Irwin wanted to use the same DNA testing just to see if it worked and helped. Yeah. So they were also, like, thinking outside the box and trying new things. He sounds like such a stand-up guy. Like, he's, Mm. like... You know, some people are, like, happy going along in their job, but he's, like, learning about the new technologies and the stuff to do his Mm. job better. Like, that case, even though it's older by now, is, like, in his mind still. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's, oh, I'm guessing it's as well, it's that and his determination that kept yeah. the case moving yeah, forward exactly. and not just going completely cold. Not just cold. becoming a cold case that gets kind of filed away. Um, so after five weeks of processing, so it took yeah. quite a while. Oh God, I'd be on the absolute edge of my seat yeah. if I was Erwin. <laughs> the evidence from Alison's body had been able to narrow the possibilities down to a very specific sample. That's like amazing. Yeah. They said it was really lucky considering how small a sample it was to begin with. And such new technology. Yeah. So awesome. now police could test the sample against a suspect with much greater accuracy. That's good. Yeah. Uh, once again though, police got nowhere. No. And ten years passed without news. Well, because... 
You must be thinking, like, if I'm Steve Irwin, mm -hmm. Canadian version, <laughs> I would just be thinking, this is it. Yeah. We've got a profile. This is it. We're going to get yeah, somewhere exactly. with this. Like, yeah. you must be feeling so hopeful and, like, we're doing yeah, it. that's the thing. And then to find, no, still doesn't go anywhere. So, God. yeah, 10 years passed. Jesus. And on the 10th anniversary of Alison's death, Leslie, her mother, once again appealed um, through the press for anyone with information or the killer themselves to yeah. come forward. At this time, though, excitingly, police finally felt like they were making progress on the case. So one morning, Leslie and Peter got a call at 7.30 in the morning yeah. asking for the police to come and speak to them. Which, obviously, instantly the they were like, okay, they're calling us in the morning. Yeah. We're not going to work. We're staying in. This has to be important. Yeah. Um, and the police came over and informed Alison's parents that at that very moment they were arresting a suspect. Yay! So, yeah. So the suspect's name, and just for the record, I think he's a piece of shit, was Francis Roy. He was a shop clerk and keen runner. Oh, fuck. Yep, who lived on Dundas Street West, Is which that, was 7.7 kilometres away from the Perot home. Uh, so, yeah, nearly five miles. Yeah. If you're in a city, I guess it's not that far. I think you're sort of, what, four or five miles from my um, house? Yeah, sort of yeah. local town. Yeah, local still. Local, but not, not, not like a neighbour or anything no. like that. No. Um, Especially Roy. being in a city as well. Yeah, like, I feel I suppose, like, yeah, that could be sort of across the city. Yeah, yeah like I don't know. Mm. Like, He's not no. from out of state, but equally, and not like a close. Yeah, we're contact. in the country, obviously, with us, and five miles, stupid as it sounds, seems like a shorter distance in the country than it does mm. like because you're used to things across being the city. Out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Roy's neighbours were absolutely stunned by his arrest. Yeah. And they were interviewed saying, like, he seemed a really normal guy. They'd see him, like, lifting weights or running and say but hi to him. But why does that mean that you can't be a killer? Well, yeah. Well, but, I mean, obviously well, you can. Yeah. And it shouldn't be an aspiration. Mm. But it's just, like, of course they've got other hobbies. Yeah, true. Like, but, yeah, they said he always seemed, like, pleasant and... But yeah. they do. That's how they get away exactly. with it. Exactly. That's how he got away from ten like, years. <laughs> people... Monsters mm. don't look and act no. like monsters all the time. Exactly, yeah. So there was an initial sense of relief, um, Leslie said. Yeah. But equally then she felt just, like, tired and just that feeling of, like, what next? Yeah. Um, it's sort of the case is just being brought up again and you've got to go through all that emotion every time it comes up. If there's a trial, you've got to go to the trial. Yeah. You've got to listen to what's happened. You've... Yeah. But... Mm. Again, frustratingly, despite it already being 10 years since Alison's murder, it was a further three before the trial began. How? I don't Backlogs. know. Backlogs. Yeah. So Roy was on trial for first degree murder and he wasn't going down without the most ridiculous and disgusting defence I've ever heard. No. But I will Please get to that. Please don't say that he said something like, oh, she wanted him to... Worse, in my no. opinion. So I just want to take a short break. Um, to say that, from the trial, to say that Leslie Perrott, uh, if she ever listens to this, I think she is an incredibly strong woman. In the interviews with her, she has just, like, such a quiet, like, dignity. And she stated that she never believed in the death penalty. 
And although people would always tell her she'd feel differently when there was a suspect, she didn't feel differently at all. So she fought Such for there not to be a death penalty. Woman. Yeah. Literally, like... Yeah. She uh, had Roy's family come to her during the trial and express sympathies for her, which, rather than refuse to acknowledge like it would be understandable for her to do, I think, she, realized... she accepted yeah. their condolences and said that she recognised the courage that it would take to do this. Though, obviously, they didn't admit Roy's guilt. No, um, but... Yeah. She wanted to help the community heal, she said. And she felt like forgiving and wanting Alison's killer to heal was the only way to do this. Oh, God. Yeah. No. So she wanted the trial to focus on justice, but not revenge. Otherwise, She's it felt... such a strong yeah. woman. She said otherwise it felt like their love for Alison would be lost. Oh. So, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, guys. This is... I won't do another case for, like, a while. <laughs> so... so... <laughs> Um, everyone's just gonna be like put the non-weepy one on um so and then i'll do a case that makes me break (laughs) down so going into the details of the case now roy it turned out had a history of sex offenses and he actually came up in another police force's investigations into some other crimes and that's how the toronto police and steve Irwin came across him he was passed on to them by that police force so yay for a good example of cross-force communication i was just gonna say that is yeah yeah like really they don't always do that i know canadians are it's true they're just so nice and like except for roy francis francis roy yeah 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 scum like everyone has some scum but Mm -hmm. i do love canadians yeah so the Toronto police were finally able to bring him in after collecting a discarded cigarette butt, which allowed them to connect his DNA to Alison's crime scene. Yes. Well, yeah. that's like when they did the um, claim of Girl Scouts, and I was just like, oh, they had some cigarettes there. How did they know yeah. about his DNA from it? Like, that's true, mm, yeah. Saliva. <laughs> yeah. It's clicked now. I'll go back and edit uh, that one. You are blonde. So, <laughs> <laughs> so despite Roy's DNA being connected to the crime scene... His defence brought along three witnesses saying that they saw a suspect who didn't match Roy's description. Perhaps he changed how he looked. Well, that's the thing I was going to say. It could have changed because when he was brought in, I saw like a uh, police sketch of him from being brought in. And he had like a ponytail and beard. But then in the trial, he didn't have a beard. He had short hair. And that really changed how he looked. Yeah, I had a quick look at this case and the pictures of him. Mm. And even some of the pictures you see, he looks like two different people sometimes. And they can do, like, look at pictures of, like, Bundy. Yeah, He looks so different in every one. Yeah, so I just think 10, 13 years by now, you're Um, going to change. And we know how unreliable eyewitness statements are anyway. 13 years on. Yeah. So, also... And hang on. It's... It's 13 years later. Mm-hmm. They're looking at this guy now, 13 yep. years later, and they're saying, you know what? He doesn't look like what I saw 13 years ago with an unreliable memory anyway. Yeah. I'm sorry. Me 13 years ago looks very different from me now. I mean, yeah, I was about to say same, but then I thought, no, I look the same. <laughs> I yeah, with you. Yeah. There's... I haven't changed since I was 14. <laughs> they'd just be like, no, that yeah. is still her. That's the problem. Working at the college, I look younger than the students I'm working with. Like... It, at the high school that I worked at, I looked like I could be one of the ones going for their GCSEs. So, um, but anyway. But yeah. Glad we've had a little bit of a giggle because you no. might smash something up with rage in a minute. Okay, stay away from me, laptop. Yeah. Yeah. The trial caused outcry as well. 
after the prosecution wanted to include the testimony of one woman out of two previous rapes um, on separate women. Right. However, the judge ruled that this could unfairly prejudice the jury and wasn't allowed in the trial. What? So they weren't allowed to have a woman he had raped and been convicted for testify. But that's yeah. something he's yeah. done that's in a very relevant. Yeah. In fact, Roy was on parole for these two rapes at the time of Alison's murder. And both women were lured away by him with credible sounding stories. And, his and parole, they're not going to let that yeah, be in the exactly, testimony. Because it might prejudice the jury. It's directly relevant to the, the circumstances of Alison's case. Yeah. Yeah. And also it turned out his parole was poorly supervised to add to this. Yeah. So basically the judge is saying this proves that he did it, but you can't bring it up. But why? Like, if I just, I don't get that. If I go and steal a hundred cinnamon buns and (laughs) I've got a cinnamon (laughs) bun. Where's this going? (laughs) I'm just saying like, and I'm on, like, because I don't want to do it something horrific, but I'm just Mm -hmm. saying like, Say I was on trial for stealing a hundred cinnamon buns, like the most <laughs> ludicrous comparison that I could think of just to keep it light. Like, and I've got previous times that I've been caught for stealing cinnamon buns. Yeah, that should be directly that relevant. That should be relevant to mm. that case. Exactly. It's not like, you know, I've... Oh, it's just maddening. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. But regardless of the two rapes being omitted, the police still had DNA matching Roy's semen that was recovered from Alison's body, which seems difficult to explain in a way where he sounds innocent there. Yeah, because no matter what, you still committed a crime Mm -hmm. because she is an 11-year-old. Oh, but wait until you hear the uh, explanation Roy gives. (laughs) Okay. I'm smiling because I don't want to cry again. (laughs) I'm sorry, okay. Roy's account is this. He was out for a run in Kingsmill Park on the weekend of the 25th. Yeah. When he stopped for a wee. And right. whilst urinating, he noticed Alison's nude body in the undergrowth. Right. And but as semen, you do, not... he decided to digitally violate her body. What? And his reasoning for why this introduced his semen into her body is that he'd masturbated earlier that day and must have still had it on his hands. But you're still saying you're a piece of shit. Yeah, you still... There's a naked yeah. 11-year-old dead girl and you're saying, oh, it's all right, Judge, because I just yeah. stuck my fingers in her. Yeah, but she was already dead. What? And didn't call the police in this scenario either. Yeah. What? I was really interested to see your reaction because that's exactly mine. <laughs> just, just dumbfounded outrage and disgust. Yeah. How do you... You just think, how can you stand that? up in court and say that with a... Like, feel like that is a defence? We've had discussions before, uh, not on the podcast, but about people that admit to something that is horrific Mm. and do they not see how horrific that is and therefore what do they think is acceptable that they're not admitting to? Mm -hmm. Like, he is thinking that... That's better, yeah. Is a... I mean, it is better than killing somebody, but it's still on par with... Like, like, that's... Does he not see what a disgusting piece of shit Mm. that would still make him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That is no one's reaction to seeing a a dead dead child. child. Unless you are a literal 
scum of the earth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... Yeah, like, who would think that rather piece than of garbage. thinking, oh, my God, I need to bring this the This is horrific. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, like... Because he's still then saying, what? oh, yeah, I then left her body there still and went off on my merry way. Like, While, like... Yeah, to think... Out- a- any normal person would be horrified, would, while not wanting to say it at all, would you try and cover the girl, give yeah. her some dignity, ring the police? You don't, you don't go and violate her dead body. Yeah, exactly. So, that's Roy's defence. I don't quite Disgusting. know what else to say. Yeah, don't quite know what else to say about it, really. Obviously, it was completely ridiculous. I hope the jury were just like, yeah. you what, mate? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine what the judge's, like, response to that or anything. Well, the judge thinks it's all right to admit yeah. the accounts of rape. I just think... Well, true. I think... What, I don't think they're the, the most stand-up like, okay him saying this, or...? Can you... I, I can't, hopefully he got truly cross-examined on that. Yeah. But, yeah. Complete shit. Bullshit. Anyway... And the jury deliberated for six days and then on the 13th of April, 1999, convicted Roy of first-degree murder without the possibility of parole for 25 years. Thank God. <clears throat> Terrifying that he could get parole, but at least at 25 years. How but, old yeah. was he then? Um, I think he was about 42 at this oh, point. Oh, God, so he'd still easily be able to be yeah. alive for parole. Well, and, yeah. Like, he'd be, what, 70-ish? <clears throat> Yeah. at the latest when he could get yeah, out. exactly. Imagine her poor family yeah. as well, having to hear that, you know, yeah. I found your daughter mm-hmm. and that's my defence. Yeah, I abused her corpse instead of calling the police. police and, yeah. you know, you having some closure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially that on top of the fact that he's making all of that shit up anyway. Well, yeah, I know, but And like... that they have to listen to this absolute bullshit. Yeah. But, yeah, this was... A result him being convicted of murder that was met with elation by most people. Yeah, but thank yeah. God I'd be cheering. Yeah. But for Leslie, she said that she found the conviction actually didn't hold the joy that she'd expected. Yeah, it's never going to bring Alison yeah. back. And although she was glad that there wouldn't be any more Alisons murdered by Roy, she didn't yeah. actually feel very much after yeah. the trial. I can just yeah, you must be so numb. Yeah, she After. wanted to ensure that the focus was placed back on Alison where it belonged rather than the monster who killed her. Yeah, remember yeah. the victims. Yeah. Don't remember the scum exactly. that do it. Like, I totally yeah. agree with that. So to press after the trial, Leslie spoke about who her daughter had been oh. and all the ways she might have... Oh, my God, sorry, guys. All the ways she might have changed the world through her determination and strength and that it was the biggest blow imaginable that it was her death that had changed the world instead. Then the Prots ended up living most of the time at the family's holiday farm after everything. They can actually just want yeah. to get out of there. And on Alison's 21st birthday, they planted a weeping cherry oh. alongside the copper birch from her first anniversary. And they kept a... They keep still um, a rocking chair that was gifted to her on her first birthday, oh, central in the home. Um, so also Leslie is amazing. She now has a role working with bereaved families of Ontario. How do you find the strength to do that? Um, and her friends are quick God. to comment on her compassion. Uh, Leslie and Peter also have grandchildren now. From I'm Alison's guessing from her brother. brother. Yeah. So at least they've 
they've still got a life that has gone on and has happiness in it. And that they feel that, you know, they've made yeah, changes. exactly. A difference in the world with. Yeah. So, I will try my best not <laughs> to, get to weep through, through the last, like, page, guys. So, Leslie wanted to ensure that Alison's legacy was about helping others. And her colleagues made a safety ad that Aww. formed part of a national safety campaign for kids. That's massive. Which, importantly to Leslie, centred around empowerment, not fear. She said she never wanted Alison's murder to take independence away from other children. That's and instead so she wants strong. all of the good from Alison's life to be remembered. Oh, Right. And you're gone. <laughs> yeah. Last half a page. Roy has never expressed remorse over Alison's death. And in 2020... So, yeah. If yeah. he's never expressed remorse... Mm-hmm. I thought that was a, that... a condition of parole as well. Please don't tell me he got parole. He should have been up for parole in 2021, so last year. But I couldn't find anything about that happening so okay. it might have been delayed from covid but i just want yeah so much has been. yeah thank god for him yeah but i was just he's if he's never mm-hmm. expressed remorse mm-hmm. um then like that was one of the profile things about him so mm-hmm. have they gone back and like i mean hopefully they've yeah like, learned that, and grown from that's that that's the thing it's difficult to like obviously um, profiles are yeah. like it's hard and you're just doing your best and it's yeah. all there's a lot of statistics and guesswork mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah but... that was the frustrating thing with the john douglas book that i read um unfortunately he finished that book was written in 1998 so he finishes it actually without anyone being um brought in for no, alison's wow. murder he finishes it saying oh that's never been solved but yeah. Now we know that it has. Yeah. So we don't get his kind of take on Roy as a Because that's a really interesting suspect. sort of, yeah, his take, I suppose, on mm. the profile he came up yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. And how Roy does and doesn't yeah. fit that. Because it doesn't sound like the whole sort of he felt remorseful and mm. stuff like that rings true yeah if he's not expressed remorse he dealt with sort of the trial by saying those things about her body yeah but anyway i don't want to end on roy no instead i want to focus on leslie's strength in the face of her family's tragedy definitely and just her last words that leslie believes that in order to build a better world we have to want everyone to be better and find a way to move forwards or else we'll never truly build a safer, happier society. She said that letting hate define the rest of your life is a waste. And while she'll never truly feel closure from Alison's death, this is because love doesn't have closure either. So, and that is the very weepy end of my case. Her mum sounds amazing. And yeah. like, what, like everyone that knows her must be yeah. so lucky to I know. have her. Yeah. I can't imagine that strength. No. Like, no. Oh. <laughs> I am so sorry for crying so many times, guys. I didn't think that would happen. <laughs> I thought I'd got it all out whilst I was researching. I'm, um, I'm awful for it now, especially mm, since having the kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just such I'm, an emotional... I'm definitely more uh, able to sort mm. of hold it back sometimes but when i go yeah I go now oh like i wouldn't have been if i'd started crying i wouldn't have been able to make it through oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh but it's just such a 
I, I found that such a like impactful like moving case yeah like i think i would have been all right if i hadn't watched the documentaries that focused like mostly on interviews with leslie but I and think... then it's just yeah that emotion you get she's from... such a strong woman and mm-hmm. i completely agree with her like we need to be remembering the victims and yeah like there's so much focus sometimes like with serial killers and stuff like that on them and who they are and it breeding that sort of almost with sick people that competitiveness Mm. to do better to be more notorious and exactly yeah like we i agree we should be focusing on the victims Mm -hmm. i think i'm just blown away by how strong she was sort of because I agree that, like, the point of us having a, um, a, like, law system yeah. is that it focuses on justice, not revenge. That's why and we don't to have let. the strength to see that whilst you are the one going through yeah. it is... I just I could I don't think I could be I mean, that is the whole that. point of the justice system, is mm. that it's justice and it removes it from people that are personally involved. Yeah. But, for her to be, as you say, that strong is yeah, just and that incredible. sort of aware and, and strong in her beliefs, about it yeah, and so able to put it forward mm. in such a good way. Though. Yeah, I would really recommend. Um, we'll link all of the sources I used, obviously, but I would really recommend watching the um, Crime Beat documentary. Um, Alison Perot, leader of the pack. Okay. Although it's a bit, uh, a bit gimmicky and a bit sort of cheesy or sort of like sensationalist a little bit like for the most part that's sort of taken out of like the actual documentary okay so and like that's got a load of really powerful like um interviews with Alison's mother so for wanting to get that kind of human side of it that was really really important yeah um yes so I hope that you've been able to understand the bits where I was <laughs> sobbing. Um, <laughs> I'll pick a case next time that's one that I don't feel so like emotionally connected. Yeah, connected to and just like distraught over. Um, I think that is the problem having like your eldest who's the same age and me being yeah. so close with her. <laughs> it definitely like they're all awful and all mm. horrific cases and everyone is someone's son or brother yeah. or father or sister or mother or mm. daughter but there's always going to be those cases that just pull that are just that bit closer to you because yeah you just they make you imagine yourself in that position or, yeah yeah they're, they're harder to I mean, it's a difficult subject that we deal with all the time and obviously mm. we're aware of yeah. that the whole way through and we never want to make light of it. Mm. But obviously there's going to be some yeah. of those cases that are just so much more relatable because they're just, as you say, yeah. like the same age as my eldest or at a time in an area that we were growing up and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we think that they're more important or anything no. like that. It's just they hit sometimes a lot harder. Yeah. It's harder to switch off that yeah, side to and be just objective yeah. over reporting it. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> Tell other people about us. Share. Yeah, Please share. Follow. <laughs> and and um, hopefully yeah. you tune in and we 
Yeah, catch you next time. I can't say we make you life better. Yeah, hopefully we are making it interesting. Yes. And dealing with... Keep it interesting. Yeah, keep it interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's good. Keep it interesting, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.